Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Oh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! What's up, Rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. After the show, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, or wherever you listen. The feedback helps us out a lot. And we are now on Patreon. And for $3 a month, you can get early access to episodes, as well as some exclusive features like behind-the-scenes sound bites, or maybe even some giveaways. Your support is appreciated. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. <laughs> Enjoy. I'm, I'm judgmental on faces. I can't help it. <laughs> Don't worry. You all have lovely faces. Don't worry about that. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> really? That's great. Let me just cover my face with my hands here. Yeah. Welcome back to the Rewatch Recap for March, in which we're doing TV Movie Month. Yay! So this time around, uh, we are covering A Woman Scorned, The Betty Broderick Story, Part 1, uh, which came out in March of, two, of, excuse me, of 1992 on CBS, which is uh, an American broadcast company. And it's one of the first big TV movies that you would think of, especially when you think of Meredith Baxter, uh, who grew to be, quote, the TV movie queen in a way, uh, or one of them anyway. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Now, if you're looking for this movie, it's actually on Freevee, or you can actually watch it on Prime either way at this moment, as far as uh, well, January 2023 goes. So this will be in March. It'll probably still be there. I'm doubting it's going to be moved around a lot. <laughs> We want a piece of this action. We want a piece of this action. So. <laughs> so I'm sure you heard those laughs. And that's actually the Girls from the Crime Diner podcast, which I'm so excited to have them here. We have Cindy, Nydia, and Dana. Say hi, ladies. Hello. Ah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, so they're going to be joining us here. I figured this would be a great one because it's based on a true story. It's very much like something they would probably cover on their podcast. Um, totally about the, the craziness about what's happening with it's, it's almost like 
snapped before snapped, you know, like, um, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And it's a great story. And it's just, it leads, it's, there's a big buildup, the big buildup and the final payoff in the last few moments. You're like, Oh, and Nitty already knows there's a part two. Cause she already watched it. So she knows how it all ends, but whatever, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Maybe we can do it as a Patreon or something. We'll see. <laughs> That'd be fun. Let us know. Let us know in some comments, guys. It'd be great. Yeah. yeah. So as, you, as I, like I just mentioned, Patreon for $3, $3 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes stuff and other things that are coming forward on my Patreon. There's a link in the show notes. So I hope you will take the moment to check it out and maybe you'll join. We'll see. Please, please join. Okay, whatever. So in this movie, we have in a woman scorned the Betty Broderick story. Like I said, we have Meredith Baxter as Betty Broderick. Um, as of today, she's 75 years old, guys. I didn't realize Dang. that. I know she is live and kicking. She used to be Meredith Baxter Bernie, but that was when she was in, she was with the men's and she decided to drop that men's and drop the Bernie and went with the women's. So now she is an out proud lady. Um, that happened in 2009. Just FYI. As her husband, Dan Broderick, we have the, uh, the very troubled actor, Stephen Collins. Everybody knows uh, from seventh heaven. He's got a whole list of crap and his, you know, bad legal crap going on with him. So we'll touch on that later. And uh, we also have Michelle Johnson as Linda Kolkenna Broderick. We have Kelly Williams as Kat Broderick. We have Stephen Root as Kevin McDonald. And, oh, we have Deborah Jo Rupp as the secretary, Alice, from Deborah Jo Rupp. It's Kitty yeah. from that Stephanie yeah. show and that night show. Yeah, I yeah. said that. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> no, and she was so young. She's so young too. She looks so good. She really does, and she she kind of has a she has her moment in this movie, and it was really good. I like how she handled that role. She did a really good job. Well, again, Absolutely. we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, first impressions as far as after um or, or before you watched the movie, what were you expecting? I was I was uh really like. I wasn't expecting it to be, um, you know, such an old, you know, I, I initially was like, am I even watching the right thing here? Um, but then as soon as I, you know, the, it started and the characters, I mean, they got right into the business, you know? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is good. I was, I was tickled from beginning to end. I thought it was a, it was a fantastic movie. I wanted to be on this woman's side, but you just couldn't, you couldn't be on her side. <laughs> Just she was a an absolute maniac from start to finish. Yes, yes, totally. Um, yeah. So, and you're the only one. Like you said, you had heard about the story via like Netflix stuff, right? Yeah, I did. I didn't know like what. I just knew that you know it was a true crime case. It was pretty popular, and you know that they had done a Dirty John, and there's a Netflix eight part series or something about it. But I hadn't watched it. I didn't know anything like about the case or you know anything about it. Right. Okay. Well, Cindy, what did you, you didn't know, that's right. You didn't know anything about it beforehand. I remember hearing about it. Remember that's about it. Cause all, as you know, I thought she was related to Matthew Broderick. So I had to research that and be like, uh Oh, he's not. Cause I was hoping that was a whole other twist of stuff. I love the fact that you said I had to research it. <laughs> I did. I had to we did a genealogy report. <laughs> The whole two minutes. No Ferris Bueller in this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh well, that's good. 
She did her homework, everybody. And Nidia, you said you had, did you know before? I know you watched both parts, but did you know about it before? Um, I, I, I initially, when I started watching it, I was like, Ooh, what's this about? And like Dana, I was, when she set her husband's clothes on fire, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Or, you know, <laughs> when she ran through the door, I was like something I would do. Um, but then I was just like, Oh, this is a whole set of crazy that it was just like beyond the crazy. And I remember when it first happened, like, I remember the whole 1990s when Oprah had her on and everything and thinking like, oh, wow, like, I'm really on her side. But now that I see, like, uh, both sides of the story, I was like, holy cow. Now, I'm sure that there was a gray area in between where the truth lies. Maybe he mm-hmm. wasn't the nice guy that they portrayed him to be in the show, yeah. you know, because right. they, they really dug into her. You know, I, I believe that there was a little bit of, of give and take with, with you know, he was maybe a little nastier and she was maybe a little less responsible and less crazy and more, mm-hmm. maybe more gaslighted. I'm sure we'll get into all of that, but like when that, when the first, you know, when she first sets his clothes on fire, I'm like, there had to have been 15 years of like, you just don't jump into setting someone's clothes on fire. You know, you, you, like, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? So I was like, man, they're really like maligning There's a birth of you know, like, too. Yeah. And they do that a lot in this movie. All of a sudden it's like, oh wait, it's like months later and we don't even know it. They don't even say months later. It's just all yeah. like jumping around. So Okay. Okay, cool. I hadn't heard anything about it. I only knew, I think I heard the name a little bit and I knew that Meredith Baxter was in it. So that's basically all that I knew. I didn't know anything. Obviously I knew she probably killed her husband, but a woman scorned. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> it says it right there in the name. You know, she probably killed her. She, she killed her husband or her boyfriend or something. That's all Maybe I knew. He seemed like such a nice guy. And I was just like, really, you know, he was not that nice. I mean, I'm not no. victim blaming, but he definitely had to have a dickhead attitude at some point to bring her to that point. To be well, that successful of a lawyer too, you know, exactly. lawyers aren't known for their niceties, you know? So. Right. He went to medical school and he, he went to law school. Like that right. is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into this. Um, Right now, like I said, we're talking about A Woman Scorned, the Betty Broderick story, the first movie, part one, which, again, it's available on Freebie and Prime. You should be able to find it there. And I'm not sure where anywhere else you can see it. I'm sure you can probably find it on YouTube as well. So go ahead and look for it, and I hope you will enjoy this discussion. Let's do this. So, okay, the movie opens. It's this rocky shore. It's a soothing, like, pure moods music going on. You know, like very, very synthetic. And then it cuts over to this like this kid's soccer game. and Everything's going, going, going. And we see Betty and she's cheering her son on and his name's Tommy. And she's like, oh, my gosh, let's go. Let's go. It feels very flight of the navigator, like the very beginning of it does. You know what I mean? Like, there's the dog show at the beginning of flight of the navigator. But this is like in place of that is soccer. And um, I don't know what that came from. But um, <laughs> Yeah, so Tommy, her son, wins the game. Everybody's happy. Woohoo! And they're celebrating and they carry Tommy off the field. And then the dad, Dan, shows up at the last minute looking like a freaking yuppie. And it's, you know, if you don't know what a yuppie is, it's a young urban professional. That's what that means. <laughs> just slick back hair, business suit. He shows up in this red convertible, just makes him look like a douche. And she tells him, hey, Tommy won. And they both like, yay. And they slap each other high fives. Good for our son. And then he's like, hey, I won that $3.6 million lawsuit, of which we get a quarter of. I did the math. It's like 90, 900 grand. Jesus. We get 900 grand from this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. and Which is still nice, especially back in the 80s, right? Right. Hell the yeah. 80s. 
that's a that's freaking that's millions now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, we finally made it, bets. We finally made it. I'm like, have you guys been struggling? This is not news <laughs> to me. Like, <laughs> I kind of want to see their whole progression up until this point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, to see the whole relationship, not just this part. Like, you know. But anyway, so there's suddenly there's this narration out of nowhere where it's her voice and she's like, uh, she's, she's talking about, you know, oh, we had this perfect life. You know, we've been working so hard. It's finally paying off. We were finally able to do things. And we see this dorky wedding photo of them and their home. It gave me Goodfellas vibe. Did it? Yeah, like, I was like, where's this voice coming from? Like, all of a sudden, she's narrating her life. And I'm like, oh, she must be telling it from prison. But Goodfellas was like that, too. So I was just like, oh. Well, this was post-Goodfellas, I believe. So they're probably just taking it from that. That's, I mean, come on. Might as well do some filmmaking plagiarism while we're at it, right? Whatever. But yeah, so he, he went to school. Then he went to law school. So I'm guessing, like you said, he went to medical school too. I don't know. I, I don't know where that came in, but I just know the law school part. But I remember him, her saying something about the medical school stuff later yeah. on. Yeah, he was a medical malpractice lawyer. Oh, okay. I get you. I get you. Well, anyway, so she ended up becoming the homemaker, and but she also sold housewares and she was teaching on the side or something and taking care of the kids all while he can establish himself as this lawyer, this you know really good lawyer. And they were ready to just blow it up in the eighties. They were ready to go. Right. They're like, yeah, the eighties are ours. You know, the world's our oyster. They joined two country clubs. They have a ski condo in Colorado, a, a beat. A, a, I don't know what what's this, a boat in Mahoya. I don't know where that is, but they had it. And <laughs> Mahoya. Hello. <laughs> I don't know, that, that, know where that came from either, but, uh, but yeah, so we see her, She's putting on makeup and the sparkly gowns, very 80s-ish. He comes in looking like a damn magician with a, <laughs> a tux and a top hat and this like red-lined cape. And he's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, this is not cute. This Like, pull the <laughs> rabbit out, like that kind of thing, you know? Also, why does he wear it like 10 years later with his mistress? Like, what the uh, hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he's like, she says, let me fix your tie, Colonel Butler. I'm like, are you trying to call him Colonel Sanders? <laughs> And you can't say it because you'll get a lawsuit because he's wearing this, you know, I don't know, just wait. They're starting to talk to each other in these Southern accents out of nowhere. Yeah, because she was calling him Rhett Butler. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Woo, right over my head. Yeah. And she's like, can we go before my dress goes out of style? I'm like, too late, girl. And <laughs> it, I don't think it was ever in style. It felt, you know, I mean, like, I hate that to say that about 80s fashion, but everything from the 80s to me was like. If I put this on B. Arthur, it's out. Like, you know, like she yes. <laughs> she had the most horrible style and it just felt like a B. Arthur type thing. I don't know. Anyway, so they leave. The family sends them off. It's all very Donna Reed show, you know, with the out minus the lunches at the end. Um, so, yeah. So at the party, they go to this big party. And there's all these people there, and it's I guess it's for his his work or whatever. They arrive, and they're dressed. To, everyone's dressed to the nines, and they spot Kevin and Susan. Now, Kevin is Stephen Root. He played Milton in Office Space. He's been a lot of stuff, but that's the one oh, that shit. I think most people know. Yeah, I could. I read Stapler. I yeah. He looked familiar. I was like, where have I seen him before? With glasses, but yeah, and the slick down hair. That's him. And um, so, yeah, Kevin's wife is Susan, and she's got this, like, 
the woman king esque faux hawk thing going on. Like, That's, and I gotta say, I for a moment was like, oh my god, love the hair, and then I realized I was like. Oh, that's probably a banana clip with all the curls on top. That's not like shaved and a nice bohawk. Right. But that's what it looked like. It looked like she was going for. It's like, what is up with this like love is a drug type of thing going on? I don't like I don't I don't whatever. It was a choice. It was a choice. Um, they made it. They made that choice. So they see um, this guy named Carl Fitzpatrick and Dan thanks him. He's like, Hey, thank you so much for giving me that case that I won the 3.6 million you know, case. He just won. And he's like, Hey, Betty and I would love it if you came to Paris with us. And he hands them tickets. And Betty's like, I know nothing about this. And she's just, she's taken aback. And you're thinking, is she just surprised? She kind of looks upset by it, you know, like yeah. she didn't know. And she felt, you know, and I'm, I could tell right there. I was like, oh, she doesn't like that she didn't know about this, even though he's saying he, she knew. That's, That's when they introduce you to her her controlling side. Exactly. Exactly. Although I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed if my husband did that yeah. shit. Yeah, There's nothing controlling you. about that. Yeah, I think it's very rude to just be like, we're going to spend all this money on this trip with these other people. To travel with other people is like a lot. It's just not very. And the fact that it was his first big case win. You know, I'm like, why don't yeah. you wait till the third or something? You know, I mean, you can still thank the guy. Maybe take him out to a nice dinner. But, like, maybe later do the Paris thing when you've established yeah. yourself more. I don't know. Also, it was, like, supposed to be, like, the following week. I'm like, how do you know that these people are even available to fly with you? I mean, you're making yeah. some great, uh, like, just assumptions here. Yeah, yeah. unless she, he worked it out with her, his secretary or something. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. But They didn't seem, at, you know, too thrilled by the whole scenario either. Like, yeah, like it seemed like a, it really does kind of, in a way, feel like a bribe to like get my leg up kind of thing, you know, because he's like, OK, I don't need this. Just a thank you will do, you know, a dinner. Like I said, a dinner would work. That would be a lot easier to, you know, Manage. get somebody to go. I'm going to take you out to dinner. Thank you for this. You know, a nice dinner. It felt impulsive. On it his did. Part. But I love it how her reaction, he looks at her and she just kind of says, oh, it's on Thursday. Well, Thursday's manicure day. <laughs> that's her reason for looking upset she's trying to like talk away her like this is the reason why i'm upset that's not the reason why she's upset but she's saying that's the reason like oh it's manicure day yeah but um this kind of showed like to to the to the viewer me as the viewer it kind of showed me how rigid she was in her day-to-day you know what i'm saying like it just gave it gave validation to the to the thought of her being controlling exactly i yeah I agree with that. That she wouldn't go to Paris because she had a nail appointment, which was so, you know, trivial, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, well, reschedule it. You're going to Paris. Exactly. Whatever. Anyway, so later on, after Paris, we presume, because he says, oh, I just got from my trip. And I'm like, well, crap, we didn't even get to see Paris. So, whatever. (laughs) So, Dan is working um, at the office when Kevin stops by to tell Dan that he and Susan have split. And he moved out. So... (laughs) Milton is no longer with Susan, the woman king. And he, woman king? <laughs> yeah, because she hardly looks like that. But anyway, he's <laughs> for a drink, but Dan is like, oh, my son Grant's got, has the Cub Scouts over tonight. I can't do it. And he was like, oh, you're trying to have it all kind of thing, you know. And it's they're painting him, Dan, out to be this like loyal father. He's a busy businessman, but he always tries to come home and see his kids. And that's how it's being painted, right? Right. right. So that night, um, 
Betty calls for Dan, you know, for a business call. You know, he's helping the Cub Scouts set up a tent and, and she's like, Hey, you have a call. And he's like, well, can you take over? I don't know how long it's going to be. And she does. And she helps him set up the tent. And then she's like telling them scary stories. They don't even have a fire. They're in the backyard. Like light a fire. You have a fire pit. I'm sure. You have <laughs> But Although she candles. did a really cool thing with the candles, like she set up yeah. a whole bunch of candles, much safer than a. Than That's a true, <laughs> but it's not the same. It's not the same. No. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, all their kids come. All the kids' parents come and take them away and everything. And uh, their son Grant is upset because Dan is always working. Why are you always working, Dad? <laughs> Give me some attention. Way. Whatever. Your dad puts a meal on your plate. You shut up. Anyway. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> so Betty checks in on Dan and hears him laughing on the phone and that just irks her. He's talking to, you know, like you're not allowed to laugh at something somebody said on a business call. Like chill out lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like happy about it. Certainly. But I, understood, that. I understood because he, she ended up taking over for, for what something that he had promised to do. And it seemed like they were just showing you that he had a pattern of doing that. Like working, I guess, preferring yeah. work. Sure. To, to spending time with the family and that she was always picking up for his slack. Sure. Well, then she should have said he's busy right now. He'll call you back. Yeah, <laughs> That's what right, I would have done. Yeah. That's on her. Like he can't come to the phone right now. Can I take a message? Oh, and then I'll right, tell him but, after he's done with this damn kid. But thing. if you did if she would have done that to her high profile lawyer husband, he would have been like, what the fuck? This is how I earn money. Like, I can't believe you would tell my client that, you know. So they both have a control issue over what's supposed to be. That's the problem. They both have right. control issues. Absolutely. They really do. And they both can't control each other. That's what's the yeah. problem. You know, it's very, I, very it apparent. Really, it certainly made it like the movie was really trying to malign her as this like really bitchy, you know, the villain, which she is the villain. Obviously, she kills them. But um like that he was this innocent, nice guy who was just trying to like be a great dad and be a good father and be a good husband and make the money. And I just, I, I find it hard to believe that that was really fully the case. You know, I'm just watching you with these dogs paws on your know, shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> They're kicking. They're kicking as she's talking. She looks so uncomfortable. Oh, it's great. So yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Dan, dad's always on the phone and Betty's pissed that he's laughing on the phone. And later on he goes upstairs to get in the bedroom and the door is locked. He's locked out of the bedroom. Yeah. So the daughter sees this and he's like, yeah. And he kisses the daughter good night and grabs a pillow and a you know, blanket and goes downstairs, presumably to the couch. You're like, well, crap, that was so really like, she just flat out locked the door on him. Like how passive aggressive. Like I'm not even telling you. You're locked. He's like, what'd I do? <laughs> I just took a phone yeah. call. That's all I did. That's all he thinks, right? Right. Like, talk up, talk it out, people. This is the problem. People don't talk. They yeah. Don't talk it out. And they don't listen either. They just yeah. talk and they don't listen. So it's got to be both ways. I just keep writing later because I don't know when things are happening sometimes. Like, I don't know if it's the next day. I don't know if it's a week later. I don't know. They just don't tell you at all. It's just jumping around. I Googled it just after, just because I wanted to know what the deal was. And the divorce mm -hmm. itself took five years. So, like, just just to give you a progression of time, when he asked for a divorce and they were finally divorced, it was five years. So it's almost throughout the entire 80s this movie takes place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. So, yeah, okay. So later on, uh, Dan gets picked up by the, at the airport by Betty as he gets back from Seattle. 
and he asks if the contractor showed up and she says, not till I threaten them with my wrath and your reputation. I'm like, this statement right here is very telling. <laughs> she was a yeah. Karen. Yes. yes, totally, totally a Karen. She says the contractor can't fix the foundation while they're living there. So she's arranging for a rental house. And then she gives him a present, which looks like a corsage. And she says it's for the St. Patty's Day party. What? What What was that? Did you see it? It looked like a corsage. I think it was a tie. Was it a tie? I think it was a tie because then they cut to the party, um, the St. Patrick's Day party, and he's wearing yeah. a tie and he's like the life of the party or whatever. Okay. I don't know. But yeah, and at that same party, like there's some dude, they do this whole cutaway for this dude giving this like Irish limerick. It has nothing to do with the plot. There's no reason for it. But they show this dude giving this stupid Irish limerick that's not that funny, but they all look like it's hilarious, you know? Yeah. And it looks like the guy is Christopher Rich, who played Brock on Reba. Did you ever watch oh, Reba? Yes, yeah, I love Reba. Mm -hmm. It looks like Brock, like a young Brock. So yeah, uh, this short-haired blonde walks by, this chick, and Dan's like, who is that? He says to this co-worker, who I don't, I don't think they name him, but... And the co-worker's like, she's the new receptionist. And Dan says, wow, she is really dot, dot, dot. Of course, Betty sees this from across the room. Like, she's not standing right next to him. She's across the room, and there's a whole party going on. Yes. But somehow she can hear this entire conversation <laughs> on the other side of the room that her husband and this guy are having. That actually and didn't happen. Did it? That actually did happen. She comes on Oprah and she says that that's when she found out that he had an interest in, in, um, in, uh, what's her Linda. name? Linda. Yeah. Cause he, they were at a party and she happened to hear him, you know, uh, make the comment to a coworker of hers, of his. Okay. She must've been like behind him or something. Cause of this, she's like looking at him from across. I'm like, there's no way she would hear that, you know, but that's because of the way it's filmed. I get it. So, yeah, so the guy says, so Mr. Workaholic appreciates women after all. And he says, not just any woman, but that woman. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, Betty looks threatened as hell. I'm like, this can't be good. This can't be good. <laughs> That's no. what I wrote down. I'm like, oh, crap. And then I asked, how does she hear that in, from a, in a crowded party? But anyway, um, so she like stares the woman down. She just looks at her like, oh, mm, I don't like you. And then... All then she the narration goes, and then Kevin walked in with his new trophy. So Kevin has now got a new girlfriend or whatever, and she's young and everything. Like, Yo, that has nothing to do with money. And I'm just like shaking my head. Yeah. And Sorry. and the real Linda, the real Linda was quite beautiful. I'm sure she is. You know, yeah, or she was. Was, well, was. Uh yeah, she was gorgeous. She was really, really 80s tastic beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It, she seemed like it. Anyway, so it cuts from the party and it goes straight to their bedroom and, and Dan's asleep in the bed and she's sitting at the vanity just kind of staring staring at her face and studying wrinkles and every blemish she can and just obsessing over it. And I'm like, girl, it's you, you're not going to make yourself any younger. It's not going to happen. You know, just yeah. get over it. Then it cuts to the ski lodge that I guess that they own. And it just jumps around, but. So the Broderick families are getting ready to ski. Everybody's getting, you know, Dan's brother's like, hurry up and leaves. And Betty's, you know, he's like, yeah, let's do that. And then Betty's like, whatever the broad, the Broderick men have spoken. And he's like, quit that crap, you know? And, um, she's like, well, you're the boss. I'm just the hired hand. I'm like, passive aggressive again. This yeah. is all in front of their kids. 
constantly right. fighting in front of their kids. And he's like, well, it pays well, you know, <laughs> and like, Oh, you, that's not going to help. Not going to help. <laughs> and, um, she goes, well, not as well as being your brother. And oh, then shit. it's like, it starts this whole argument about, Oh, I'm, I'm investing with my brother. And it's like, really? And he, yeah, he makes more money than me. And she's like, well, isn't that something like, she's just not buying it. And, uh, the kids, you know, the kids are just like, it's awkward as hell. It's just, they've noticed, you know, you can't not notice this. And she yells, why am I even here? Why don't I leave? And we can get a divorce. I'm like, damn, zero to 80 in like no time. Like, boom, jump right into divorce. uh, According to her uh, interview with Oprah, she, they had a really toxic marriage and it was on both sides. She said that, um, that he was abusive to her and she was abusive to him. Like it was like mutual. And the kids that were the only real victims in that because the kids were in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. The kids usually are. Yeah. It really seemed like the kids witnessed every bit of it, like just every bit of it. And that's my question. It's like, is a lot of this where are they getting all of this information about how to do this story from interviews with her when she looked in the mirror that was like the the tv movie version of of statements that she had made in court and during her interviews where she said that once she saw linda and saw what she was up against she started to reevaluate you know her face and like how old she was getting and she started to obsess over her looks so she started to like you know go to doctors to get take care of wrinkles she had her teeth fixed she was like really trying to stay young for him and she she knew it was a losing battle because because the girl was so much younger. She was like 28. Mm-hmm. Not only that, a lot of it was from the testimony in court to uh, like, cause I, I watched some news article, uh, newscast from the time and the daughter, the old, the two oldest daughters testify in court. And like, they tell the stories of, you know, the car incident, the pants incident, like they tell them right in court. It's like at testifying against the mom. It's, so it's all witness accounts too. Like, yeah, you know, and, and as we're seeing in this, you know, she does not come off looking well to most of the people she tries to talk to. Yeah. So it's, no. you know, they probably, that's probably who really like, yeah. but you know what, what's what at some point, like what is true? Is it the eyewitness accounts, everybody who saw it from the outside or is it the people who dealt with it? And I mean, both are true in a way. They right. dealt with it, people, the people who actually happened to, they have emotional investment into it. They don't see it in mm-hmm. black and white, you know. But anyway, so the kids, they leave the room and he's like, you can't even go on vacation without bringing up you know, petty nonsense. And she's like, it's our money. And he's like, I made it. And she's like, well, I, you know, busted my butt raising our four kids. It's like, this, you know, this is probably the same conversation they've had a million times over and over, you know. And Ooh. this is just like a summary of that. So the family and Dan, they go on without Betty and the, and the brother's like, well, you know, she's not coming. She's like, she'll probably pout a couple of hours and ski the pants off of us later. I'm like, okay. So this is a, you can tell she, it's a usual thing that she does or they have this argument over all yeah. the time. And this is how she reacts. So later on, they, they move into their new rental home and at the office, Linda, the new receptionist, the one that we saw at the party has been subbing for Dan's assistant, Alice, who's been out. He says that Linda has saved him and he offers her a job permanently and she accepts. Then he arrives home. Betty is finishing decorating the the rental house and he is amazed. It's like, he's like, it's like, it's like we already lived here. She's like, well, the upstairs is crap, you know, but you know, I I wait till you taste my veal roast. And I'm like, Cindy, you're a cue. Pull that up. I want to get that (laughs) veal recipe. 
I am hungry. <laughs> There's a lot of things she makes in this. I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a thing for Cindy to make. Cindy to make some food. Oh. Um, can I can I just interject that um, he never had an assistant. He always worked on his own. And he never had a, a, he just worked alone and that he prided himself in that he was known for that, that he was a lone worker. And, and when she knew that the marriage was in trouble, when he brought on Linda as his assistant, because he was known to be the, you know, the, the I don't independent even, person. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was just very controlling of his work and he didn't want to leave it in the hands of an assistant. And the fact that he's, yeah. In fact, he's bringing a quote paralegal or assistant or whatever on is kind of like, exactly. that's not your MO. That's not how you work. But especially okay. since she didn't have a degree, you know I mean? She wasn't like, she didn't have any, any medicine experience. She didn't have any law experience and she didn't mm-hmm. even know how to type. So it was like, she was doing a job that she had absolutely no experience doing. And no, There's no business doing basically. <laughs> right. No business doing it other than looking good, which is why they had to add that character of uh, Kitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, Alice. Um, because that's how it was seen, you know? Yeah. They wanted to show you like there's something up here. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so on another day, Betty and Margaret are shopping when they see Susan. And Susan's like, they'll let anyone shop here. And I'm like, oh, ha, ha, corny jokes, whatever. I hate when people do that crap. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm Riff Raff. Yeah, yeah, shop here. Whatever. So they ask how she is. And she says Kevin officially filed for divorce, but she's never been better. She was, well, you know, when she's not a basket case, <laughs> but shopping helps. I'm like, okay. And uh, that's that's nice. Um, go on, girl. Leave, leave me alone. Uh, Betty comments later, like, why are men like this? And Margaret says, well, they all hire airheads at some point. And Betty's like, what's a nice girl to do? Which is an important line. Yeah. Because it comes up later. Yep. So later on at home, Betty tells the housekeeper slash nanny or whoever it is. We don't really see her face. (laughs) Her back's to us the entire time to take care of the kids while she grabs a champagne bottle and glasses, leaving a 39th birthday cake. Um. And goes to, uh, gets in her giant Chevy. And I'm like, I don't know what it was. What kind of Chevy is that? What kind, do anybody know what kind of car that is? It looked like a Suburban, didn't it? I guess. It's huge. And I'm like, is yeah, this Meredith's Butchmobile now? Like, what's this? You know, <laughs> That's what it felt like. I'm like, damn, Betty. The maid actually plays a very big role because um, she, when she goes to testify, she has a lot of what was really going on in that house. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, because you don't notice the maid. The maid's in the background listening. That's all. Yeah. yeah. So, of course. I love how this license plate on the Chevy says, load me up. Load them up. I did not <laughs> load me up, load them up. Yes. I loved it. <laughs> I did not pay attention I that closely either. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I was like. That's kind of. I did okay. notice a pair of earrings that uh, she was wearing, and they were tiger. So it really felt very eighties tastic. They were like little <laughs> gold tigers with a with a mouth ring, <laughs> and I was kind of amused by that. <laughs> you want those earrings, don't you? sure (laughs) sure that's whatever so yeah so betty arrives at dan's office and let me just say this when she arrives it's very clear that meredith baxter does not wear heels as she just like stomps around all wide-legged and like uncomfortable like like I mean, she looks like me wearing heels, you know, and I actually think I wear them better because I, I somehow know how to walk, walk on them. I don't know. But I mean, 
I don't know. Maybe it's the gay thing. I don't know. But <laughs> so, yeah, she walks in all like, Raw, you know, with her heels on. And they're not even that high. So I don't know. She finds out that Dan and Linda are out to lunch for his birthday. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Also, since she, it's evening at this point. Yes. Yes. She goes and she goes, I'll just wait in his office. And when she opens that up, there's like banners and balloons. It's like, what the hell? Are they throwing in parties here? Who did this? You know, that's what and you're like, you know, it was Linda. You know, it was Linda that did it. Yes. And, um, you know, it's all in it. And then she's like, um, she sits there in the chair and then like the whole day goes by and she falls asleep in the chair and wakes up and it's nighttime. I'm like, did no one wake her? Like, Hey, Miss Broderick, we're leaving now. Like nothing. Yeah. Okay. So that same night, Dan's little red convertible pulls up at the house and Betty is waiting outside, still dressed up in her like somewhat Jackie O looking outfit, with that pink, you know, business looking suit, you know, You're without the pillbox hat. That's the only thing she didn't have. <laughs> So she's like, how was lunch? And he smiles and says it was okay. She says, I made your uh, birthday roast beef like you wanted. Or is it pot roast? Is it roast beef or pot roast? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, he kisses her cheek, says thank you. And she says she went to his office with champagne and to watch the sunset with him. But he wasn't there. And I'm like, wait, you went at noon to watch the sunset? <laughs> doesn't make sense, but whatever. So early. And that's, I wondered about that. Why she, unless she thought that they would go all day, like leave, have lunch and then go and. Well, she didn't say, maybe she was trying to imply that she went to his office that evening to say he wasn't there then. And how was lunch? Like she's trying to pull it out of him and it's not working. So she's like, I went there. She didn't want to look like she stayed there all day. You know, and she did. Yeah. So that would make it her look even like nuttier. That actually did happen. Okay. Okay. I can see that happening. So he asked why she didn't call and that he could have rearranged his schedule. And she's like, you bastard. Who goes to lunch for seven hours with a 19-year-old whore to boot? <laughs> like, claws came out. <laughs> Shit. Well, but yeah, I got to yeah. agree. I mean, really? Seriously? Who does that? Like, so he calls her nuts and says she, she was in, he was in dispositions all day until he says all day till one I'm like, well, what about the last few hours? And doesn't know where Linda was. And she says he's lying his ass off. And I mean, you can see there's, by the way, there's this bad edit. Like in one angle, you see somebody standing behind her in the door and then it shows like a wider angle and the door's closed. And I'm like, that's bothering me. Who was in the door? <laughs> Like someone was in the door and I didn't see it. And then we find out in a second, but it was just kind of like, what's going on here? It's her daughter. So yeah. And he says, let's take this inside. She raises her voice. Am I shouting? Am I embarrassing you? I'm right <laughs> as what I am. And he's like, I swear I'm not having an affair with Linda or anyone else. And she says, liar, liar, pants on fire before she lights a match and tosses it onto a pile of his clothes. I'm like, no grill. No like, garbage pants, just Yard. open flame right on the porch. I that's what I knew we were in for a ride. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I know. I'm like right there in front of God and everybody to see. Like, ugh. <laughs> not only did she I do that, like, she uh poured black paint over the ashes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw that. That's interesting. You said I wonder why she did that. Was it like to keep them together or whatever? Who knows? Well, I, so I her fury wasn't you know, suffice with the, you know, just the fire. She was still mad once the fire was out. So then she had to, I got to get rid of this paint anyway. Ah, you know. 
black like my heart. Ah, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, what you were saying, the eldest daughter was standing in the doorway. She was watching the whole time. And as he goes inside and Betty just watches the fire burn. And I'm like, ooh. And then we fade out to commercial break. But, of course, we come back. And now we're on the golf course. And Dan has told his brother what's happened with all the clothes and everything and, you know, the whole thing on his birthday. And the brothers thinks, you know, um, that's extreme. It is. You're not wrong. It's extreme. And Dan just says, well, that's Betty. And I'm like, is this like a fucking sitcom? Like, who goes, that's Betty. You know, like, she lights fire to my clothes. Yeah, yeah. That's Betty. You know. That's what it feels like. Remember when T-Boz did that? (laughs) But she got the whole damn house. (laughs) Wasn't it in the bathtub? Yes. Yes. So crazy. But yeah, so he doesn't want to talk about it, but his brother has made some good points. Like, she's been threatening divorce since their honeymoon? (laughs) Like, okay, that's toxic as fuck. Like, He's an idiot for not taking it seriously earlier on, if that's the case. You know, if yeah. this is how, if this is all on him, which is the brothers, the whole situation making it look like you should have left her earlier because she's crazy. And nope, that's just who she is. I like it. <laughs> she's fired. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> have you ever seen War of the Roses, like the movie The War of the Roses? Yes. With Michael yes. Keaton and Love Kathleen it. Turner? Great movie about a, a loving couple that just does, that gets worse and worse, and they hate each other. And they get toxic and toxic, and then they end up they basically kill each other. Um, it's it's bad. It's it, bad divorce stuff going on in that movie. You should watch it though. It's good. So good. <laughs> it's good stuff. Good stuff. So later, Dan is talking to Linda on the phone at the clubhouse, all business, you know. And then he asks about a Corvette or something, and then she's like, "Yeah, I can't find it. Whatever." And then there's other stuff going on with her, you know clients and whatnot. And he tells her he can actually relax on vacation because she does such a great job taking care of things. Like, okay. And then he hangs up and he looks over and he sees Betty and his brother and everybody sitting at a table, you know, and uh, they're like, come on, come on. And he looks at the phone longingly. Like, should I call her back? That's what it kind of looks like. He's thinking, you know, yes, yes. But he goes and rejoins his, his brother and Betty at the table. And now later on again, back at the office, Linda tells Dan that the red Corvette he wants is available in Malibu and he can pick it up at the dealership if he leaves now. And he's like, wait, but they close at six. Why do I have to leave? She goes, it's in Malibu. Oh, you had to drive there. Of course. Of course. This dumbass asks her to come along to get Mm -hmm. the Corvette. Mm -hmm. Like you moron. And the next thing we see is them just cruising down the coast in this Corvette, joyriding and living it up. Everything's grand, you know, and that's a long little sequence we see of them driving. Yeah. And then he comes home in the new Corvette and Betty comes out. She's like, oh, that's it? Yeah. And she goes, well, maybe this will make you feel happy. And he's like, what? She's like, I don't know. You just don't seem happy anymore. Maybe it's me. I don't know. But yeah, it's, I'm like, way, way to shit on this moment, Betty. <laughs> also, also, Betty, Betty, it's you. It's definitely yeah. it's definitely you. It's definitely you, Betty. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think he had been shady. He she felt it. I don't know, man. I've been cheated on before and, and I I could see it coming from a mile away. Oh, hundred percent. I don't think, but like for her to be like, you seem so unhappy, and I can't imagine why. It's like, babe, as she's burning really? his clothes. <laughs> right. 
I mean, I mean, don't you like your cut, your your tie singed? I don't know. It's fine to both be unhappy, you know. And and I I agree. Like, he, I think he was cheating on her a long time mm-hmm. before that. You know what oh, I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah, but but like for, I just thought it was so funny because she's like, I don't know why you would be so unhappy. I know. I'm talking about way it's presented in this, especially. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't know anything. So based off what I'm seeing, I'm like, uh, you know, I hey, think they, about it. Baby. I thought <laughs> come they, to you. they railroaded her in that movie. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. For real, for real. I thought it was hilarious, though. I was like, oh, we're in for it. This is so good. You're like, you can see that, like, the, the boiling water just rising, you know, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's coming. It's coming. So later on at the office, Alice, a.k.a. Deborah Jo Rupp, Kitty from 70s Show, stops Dan from leaving the office and demands respect for her and the others in the office, especially since Linda, a.k.a. that woman, has only been there six months and already makes more than all of them and has a bigger office than everybody. And he's all comes to defense like he says, well, Linda does different things. And then she writes, I know she can't type. <laughs> Ooh, you're applying she does other things with her hands, I guess. Um, <laughs> he's, he says, well, she's a legal assistant, not a secretary. She doesn't have to type. I'm like, oh, that's bad. So that's where Alice is like, all right, I'm out, fucker. <laughs> and she's like, I'll see. good luck with that. And he's like, well you're leaving she was like she tells him you know you need to start thinking about how you treat everyone not just the people you think are quote special right and i think that that was like uh a hint to uh to what he was really like because she didn't in real life that deborah joe rupp character (laughs) right it's just kind of giving you a summary in a way through a character yeah Yeah, i get you so now we jump to christmas time and the, the Broderick family's at home. It's a happy Christmas morning. All the kids have opened up their gifts. Everybody's great. And that's where Dan pulls out this gift, this box. And Betty's like, oh, really? For me? That kind of thing. And he gives her this huge ring. And he's like, yeah, I hope you like it. I, and it's not the same as the one you picked out, but I like this one better. And, and you know, and she looks at it. She's like, well, it is your money. Get what you want. He's like, what? And then she just pitches this fit. Like, I'm like, the poor kids are watching this. I'm like, this is ridiculous. She's like going nuts. You know, it's not what I want. It's not the one I wanted. But you pick up the design you want, whatever. And they're like, mom, come on. And he says, no, kids, if your mom wants to believe, behave like a spoiled brat, then let her. And that's where Betty's like, what kind of a husband gets his wife something she doesn't even want? And then she yells that that's not what she asked for. And then says, it's a piece of crap and runs out. I'm like, Damn. Yeah, like, that was very crazy. Yeah, that's like, don't teach your kids to react this way or to, you know, come on, set an example, Betty. Come on, I mean, Betty. I totally like, when that when I watched it last night, I was like, oh, what a bit. Like, I was like, okay, they're really making you not have any sympathy for her at this point. Like, oh, no, they're trying really, to make, they're painting her to be like this. Yeah, right. They don't want you to have crazy any, woman. Right. And I do sort of like get to a point, you know, I do sort of see her point where it's like, oh, you know, why couldn't you have just gotten me the thing that I wanted? But like, also like, I don't know. It's a gift. Who cares? Like who acts that way when you don't get a gift you wanted for Christmas? I mean, if you're going to bring it up, bring it up later in private. Don't I mean, don't do it in front of the kids and spoil Christmas morning and all the I stuff you're going to do that day. Yeah. 90% of her behavior could have been done in private and changed the dynamic of everything for the kids, you know? Yeah. 
Um, right, and she could have just gone and exchanged the goddamn ring anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Apparently it was the same amount of money. It didn't matter. Just get what you want then. Shit, shut up. Do it, accept it, say thank you, and then go get change it. And if he says something about it, you're like, that's not the one I wanted. And you knew it, and I got the one I wanted. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> right? Off, yeah. So that's, I agree Lynn, with that assessment. My thought was Linda picked it out. That's what I yeah. thought. I did too. I was like, does that now, fit her hand or is it Linda's that. size? That's bold as fuck. He I guarantee you, you're right though. I bet it you she might have not picked it up for, her, for him. It gave me love actually vibes. Remember? Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. yeah. Yeah, except she didn't get the freaking, you know, uh, the CD of uh, Joni Mitchell music. Yeah. <laughs> She got a ring, but it just wasn't the one she wanted. Right. Linda has that ring. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be even worse. If she saw yeah. Linda wearing the ring that she wanted. Ooh. Yeah. That would piss me off. Oh, well. Didn't happen, guys. That's not what happened. But, you know, still. So on another day, Betty meets Dan for lunch at a place she likes. And she's like, oh, we need to come here more often. I'm so glad to see you, whatever. And he's like, well, I just wanted to come here for this meeting. She's like, meeting? I thought we was lunch. And. He's like, I don't want to have this talk at home. And she's like, what? We can't do talk at home. We can talk about everything else. But, you know, and he's like, I, you know, he says, I don't want us to throw things at each other. I'm like, you mean Betty throw things at you? Because <laughs> that's where this is being set up. So he says he's moving out and he, because their, their marriage isn't working and he's doing this, you know, he's thinking of the kids because they don't need to be seeing this crap and they don't need to be in the middle of everything. And which, see, they're still painting him out to be this like, great father right mm -hmm. and this perfect husband and she says well you, you how long are you moving out till till you feel better about the marriage or till you get over your turning 40 crap or till you've screwed your secretary as many times as you know you need or whatever the crap she says after that and he's like he's like okay that's enough that's enough but she's pissed she's like i helped you to get you know where you are you owe me that's basically what she's saying Right. I worked all this hard. You went, I put you through school. You got through all this stuff. I married a home for us. I, you know, worked all these different five different jobs. I'm like at one time or different, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> don't, don't act like you worked all these jobs at one time. Anyway. So he's like, I'm going to move back into the house. You're going to stay in the rental. I'll move back into our house. I'll just let the construction crew work around me, whatever. It goes back to commercial break. So I wrote, I made a note about this, this next thing that happens. And I wrote, this is fucked up. Yes. That's all I wrote. So nights later, Dan comes home late to find little Grant on his stoop claiming mommy dropped me off an hour ago. Turns out he was, he just got back from a trip, a, a business trip to San Francisco from a trial he was doing there. And he's like, he didn't know he was, what would have happened had I not come home that night? Cause I almost didn't. That kid had just been sitting out there all night. Yeah. That kind of says, that's not, that's not a really good mom to do that, you know? Yeah. And you're using your kid as a pawn, you know, in this little yeah. game you're playing. That's what it, which it, you can, yeah, yeah, it really turns for me there for her. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, like, you know, whatever you want to torment your husband, you guys want to torment each other because he's cheating or whatever the case is like, fine, be shitty to each other. But like, once you start like using your kids as pawns or like putting one in danger, like, I mean, that could have been really dangerous depending on. Mm -hmm. The temperature or who drove by or like what that, you know, that's, I was like, Oh God, that really sucks. And that was before cell phones. The kid wouldn't be able to get a hold of yeah. anybody yeah. unless he banged on somebody's door, you know? Yeah. 
But like, yeah, she confirms that she's what she's doing. She tells Susan they're in the car, they're driving down the coast, and she's like, "It's all part of my plan. First, it's to drive him crazy and to make him show show him what it feels to drug a, a family and all this stuff. And I'm going to drop the kids off one by one and do that." And <laughs> I'm like, "What's how's that going to help the situation?" Hey, yeah. I don't know what logic she was thinking that was going to help, but whatever. And then she goes part two of her plan. She wants to build a house with an ocean view right there on this cliff, and she's convinced that he's going to come back and they're going to make it all happen and blah 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 blah. Okay, Betty, what world are you living in? Because it sure as hell ain't this one. I don't, whatever. Later on, Dan takes Linda to dinner after a trial, and he's supposed to go, I'm going to go back to the office. I'm going to eat something to eat. Can I interest you in dinner? And he never makes it back to the office. They're just talking and living it up at this dinner all night, and she's acting all coy, like, oh, really? And, uh, and kind of flirty, like she doesn't know what she's doing. And you're like, come on, Linda, we know. We know. <laughs> right. You're the office slut. We know. Um, oh that's what it felt like. Anyway. <laughs> another day. Another day goes by and Betty visits at their house, their actual home, and sees that he's placing responsibilities on the kids to get things done, you know, which it should be that way. Kids should have responsibilities. And then she goes, what's this? And she sees a cake. She's like, oh, dad's friend Linda made it. Oh. And you just see this look on her face, mm-hmm. like you're just waiting for it to zoom in her eyes and like fire to be in her eyes, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you're like, and that's where we cut to later on that day when Dan comes home and he says hi to the kids and he goes upstairs and the daughter's like, Hey dad, wait, Hey dad, wait. She knows <laughs> she's already been in there, but he looks and the first thing he sees is his bed. It's all like disheveled and whatnot. And there's like the cake that Linda made is torn up and all over the bed and he looks over and he sees like spray paint and things are broken there's a big x on his face and one of the pictures his clothes are all i guess torn up or cut up i don't know what was going on with that but it's very oh wow like come on that actually did happen i'm yeah. sure it did yeah. yeah i ugh, damn anyway so yeah, next we see Betty getting divorce papers. <laughs> He's like, that's it. Nope. I could have dealt with the X on my face and a slash up clothes, but when you tore up her cake, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was the last straw, Betty. She worked really hard on that. No. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, she acts like she's so surprised to get these divorce papers. Like what the hell did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, where's the logic, Betty? Bets? What do you want to call yourself? I don't know. Yeah, Bets. Next, she goes to the house, and there's no one there when she answers. She gets mad, so she goes to the back door or the side door and grabs a vase and breaks the freaking window and goes in. And then she she's all pissed off, and she finds a little TV in one of the rooms and throws the TV at their china and then spray paints all over the walls. And I can't make out what she says, except for one point she writes high on something. Yeah, that was so funny. And then she like smashes faces and she has torn this place up. What'd you say, Cindy? (laughs) That's the only thing I could, I could tell what she wrote, but I, I had a moment of laughter looking at. I know. It's like, she's writing a lot of S's. What's she writing? Like she's writing slut. (laughs) Maybe she wrote slut. I don't know. Probably. Yeah, probably. That's probably what it was. She didn't do very well. Try your penmanship again, Betty. Come on. You got to figure this out. Later, she's at her lawyer. She has a lawyer now. It's this lady, and she's complaining, just bitching about it. And the lawyer's like, okay, well, you need to calm the fuck down. (laughs) Essentially, that's what she's saying. Because if you want anything in this settlement, you can't do any more of this crap. 
you've already got a restraining order on you now. You can't go within 100 yards of the house. You, you can't do this. And Betty's like, I, well, come on. How, are you really supposed to be my lawyer? You got to be excited about this because he's a damn good lawyer. He's got a reputation. If you're not excited, we're screwed. Yeah. And the lawyer's like, yeah, I'm going to withdraw from this case because <laughs> <laughs> you're toxic as fuck. And I deal with this. Best decision ever. That's really what she's like. I just saved myself some like therapy, probably. I'm pretty sure you fired her, but then she tried to act like she fired the lawyer, but the lawyer was already like, Yeah, no, I fired you as a client already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she went through uh, in the five years, she had six lawyers over five years because she kept. I know every time they showed her the lawyer, it was a different lawyer. Yeah. They didn't really explain that she had new ones, but yeah. I don't know whether she kept firing them or they kept firing her, but she, it, it took six lawyers to get her to the end of the divorce. I know. And she doesn't listen to anyone. Like this lady no. here, she's like, I'm quitting. But by the way, you need to keep your cool if you want to win anything. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be your lawyer, but seriously, listen to me, Betty. She kept calling her Mrs. Broderick or Elizabeth. And she's like, my name's Betty. Why aren't you getting that? La, 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 la. You're all pissed off about it for no yeah. reason. Well, she was my favorite line, she says, you don't catch on too quickly, she says to the lawyer. Yeah. yeah. At like, one moment. And lady? I was just like, oh, honey. I would have been right there. I quit. <laughs> if you're going to talk to me this way, I don't have to deal with this. I'm good. But oh, well. Then it cuts to like they have this this meeting with a real estate agent in front of the house. They got to get rid of the house. And Betty just speeds up in her damn suburban or whatever it is. And she is not pleased with a three, three and a quarter. I guess it sounds like it's 3.25 million for the house. No, 325,000. Yeah, is that what it was? She said three yeah. and a quarter. And that, to me, that's 3.25 million. That's why I heard it. And I was like, three and a quarter. What's okay. But yeah. she wants a million. She wants a million. She wants to sell that house. I'm like, that's not even close to a million. There ain't no way you're getting that money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But. So she's not pleased. And then another argument ensues and, and he's like, we're going to, we're going to sell it for the you know three and a quarter, whatever. And then it cuts to the docks mm-hmm. where Linda's sitting on a boat with her friend talking about how she's in love with Dan and Dan's telling Kevin that he's got to go, you know, and um, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a court order and I'm just going to sell that house. Mm-hmm. She can't do anything about it. After I prove that she's done all this crap wrong, she's not gonna be able to do anything about it. She's not, right. you know, of sound mind kind of thing. I think, I think that's what they're going for. She's she's that's what his plan selling is. the house at a reasonable price to like prolong the divorce or whatever. Like that's illegal, right. so that's what he got the loophole for. Basically, right. okay. malicious actions. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thank you for remembering that because I did not write that down. Yeah, that's <laughs> that helps. So back at home, Dan argues with his daughter Katie or Kate or whatever. She's like, "I have a date and I want to go out." He was like, "Well, we want you here." She was like. I don't want to be here. And she goes, I'm just going to go out anyway. And he goes, fine, then don't come back home. And he realizes what he did when he said that. Mm-hmm. It makes him look bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It does. Like, really? She just won't go on a date. Chill out, dude. But he kicks her out of the house, basically. But isn't it also found out later that it's Thanksgiving dinner that she's trying to have a date on? Yes, it is Thanksgiving. So yeah. it was kind of like, mm. I wonder if that was just a different I wonder if that was just to indicate um, that. So there was two older daughters and two younger sons, mm-hmm. and the the second daughter was not was not as close to the dad. Or you know, she would go back and forth between the mom and the dad. It sounded like living with her, and mm-hmm. that right before he was killed, 
this is not in the movie, obviously, but right before he was killed, um, he removes her from his will. <gasps> the middle yes. So Ooh. I wonder if that was like to indicate that there were some problematic whatever between those two because that, so, that was the truth. So to add into that, um, apparently he had removed her for the will because she was uh, doing drugs and doing other things according yeah, to poorly one school. of the articles okay. that, I was, that I came across. Yeah. yeah. So they're just trying to show her being rebellious somewhat I, I, without I would, getting too deep into it. I would think, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Well, she's like, well, I'll bet mom will be glad to see me and I can stay with her. And he's like, okay. And so after the date, her date, she goes over to Betty's house who welcomes her in. But Betty also has a date, some guy named Jerry. And you can tell that the daughter is just not pleased about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, poor, oh. Jerry. poor Jerry. Poor <laughs> Like, God, get away from her. Get away yeah. from her, Jerry. <laughs> Lord, what do you see in her? Anyway, so. Betty later on, she still can't seem to, to get a lawyer. She's calling everybody. Everybody's like, no, we're not going against him and your big time lawyer, Dan, you know. So she calls Dan to complain and leaves a voice message. And she's like, I will not be ignored. And I'm like, fatal attraction right there. I'm not going to be ignored. You know, going close. <laughs> and that's, what, that's the first thing I thought of. Um, she later, later goes on and gets a call from a, her big high priced L.A. lawyer. Cause she goes out of that area and gets goes to LA to get somebody and it's not good. She tells Jerry and Susan um, there, she's having a dinner and she's like, Jerry, Susan, hold down the fort. I'll be right back. And they're like, what you're leaving. She's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so she shows up at Dan's house. Cause she, he has all the kids now. She just gave them to him. I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. She found out that he sold the house. And she's like, I can't believe you went behind my back and you had a court order done. This is my property, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's mad, you know, and I can understand why she'd be mad. But at the same time, you got to look at what your situation is here, Betty. You're not, you're not helping things, you know? So she, she, she's mad. The kids don't want her arrested and, you know, for going against the restraining order. You need to leave mom. You need to leave. And that's where Dan pulls up in his red freaking convertible. Mm-hmm. And she bitches him out for selling her house from under her. And they all go inside. And he's like, well, let's go inside, kids. Let's go inside. So Betty goes and gets in her truck and sits there for a minute. And then she thinks about it. Then she turns it on the truck, backs it up, and just starts goes right up in the grass and starts ramming the front door with her backing up, ramming the door, backing up, ramming the door. And they're like, oh, my God, what's going on? It's mom. Oh, my God. Take your kid. Take the brothers upstairs. Okay. Yeah. You know, so... <laughs> It's like, oh my God, she's busting down the door and he goes and he finally, she stops and he gets in there. Betty, what the hell? And he pulls her out of the car and they get into this like wrestling match when the cops show up. And of course it looks bad. Cause she's like, oh, oh, she tries to like pull this whole, oh no, me, help me. Like when the, she sees the cops and then yeah. they're like, no, no, no. She has a restraining order on her. She just rammed her car into my house. <laughs> That's that what I was going to so say. Crazy. Meanwhile, she fully has a car inside his house. <laughs> I'm like, ah, really? Did you happen to notice when he gave her a kidney shot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Did he? Yes. <gasps> Ooh. Right as they were going to the ground. <laughs> I did not see that. I wonder if that was scripted or he just really didn't like Meredith Baxter. I was like, like Ooh, that looked real. <laughs> Oh, maybe to give her that reaction she, she probably was like hit me in the kidneys what just, just hit me in the kidneys and he's, you know i don't know i don't know if that's what happened that sounds 
I did not see that. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, so the the police show up and they, and she's, you know, she, they're going to take her away. And she's like, help me. No, women have no power. It's all for the men. The men are kings. (laughs) And you're like, stop, just shut up. Don't look good. Stop it. Yeah. And they shove her into the car and the kids are all crying. Like, oh, mama, please get in the car and stop causing a scene. They didn't say that, but that's what it felt like they were doing. <laughs> in my middle dramatic voice. So after a commercial break, we are at the psych doctor as they interview Betty uh why she had this mental breakdown and she's like i had this leave it to beaver perfect lifestyle everything was great and then he just walked away he erased us he erased me and you're like what like <laughs> she got out though <laughs> so i guess they thought that was enough yeah she's at, she, but the second she gets out of the psych ward she goes straight to a newspaper reporter and starts to get interviewing on her side of the story i'm like what I wanted to read this article. I want to know what they said. Yeah. Yeah. But the article, I mean, so many of the things that she said was like, Betty, that, that doesn't sound right. Betty, Betty, that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The reality is not with you, Betty. It's not with you. (laughs) So now it's Christmas again and she decorates her tree, but the lights keep shorting out. I'm like, poor sad Betty. Can't even keep your tree lit. So she gets in her car and she drives over to Dan's house and she watches Dan and her family from the street and they leave and she decides I'm going to go inside. So she goes inside, looks around. The house is all immaculately decorated. It looks like a damn Hallmark movie. And she kneels at the tree and just kind of looks up at it. And that's when Kate, the oldest daughter, sees her and it's like, mom, mom, you got to go. They can't find you here. You need to leave. And so Betty just says, Merry Christmas. And she's just staring forward, like all catatonic, like Merry Christmas. And she's like, are there, is there a present for me under the tree? She well, yeah, mom, there's some in there. And she's like, how about this one? She just starts ripping open pregnant. No, mom, stop. And then she rips up another one. How about this one? How about this one? And she's like, mom, stop. And she finally gets to one. And it's actually her present from Kate. And she's like, mom, stop, mom, stop. Tries to pull it from her. And then when she does it, that's when the mom, like, that's when Betty slaps her in the face, basically. Like, stop it, let it go. Ah! Slaps her in the face. I thought she hit her with something. Did she not hit her with something? With the present? Yeah. I I was. they were pulling, her hand hit her or something. Okay. And I was thinking that she was going to be bleeding or something from it. Yeah. That would have given an extra special little kick, you know, a little bit of blood. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so bad. They but didn't that's do that. 90s TV, they couldn't add too much blood for a TV that's true. movie, you know? That's true. Yeah, they didn't do a lot of blood back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's like, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to. And like, oh, they always do that. <laughs> okay, so later on in court, Betty just keeps undermining her attorneys in court. Like, I'm not saying that or that's not what yeah. happened. And like, out loud. <laughs> like, dude. Shut up. <laughs> she cannot she cannot stop. Like she can't just stop. She talking. can't help herself. No. And the thing is, this was the court hearing to establish whether she was stable enough to take the kids. Exactly. And all the experts are like, yeah, she ain't stable. <laughs> and they're like, she is proving their point right there. 
Like that's yeah, you can't do that, guys. You can't do that. If you go to court, listen to the lawyer, do what you're told. Don't don't go rogue. Don't do it. You're not helping your case. Dustin's legal advice for free. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I have to say that legally. I'm not a lawyer. So. Um, yeah. So they get to the final decree and she just doesn't show up for court. And I started thinking about a couple of episodes I heard you guys talking about, like, but people just don't show up. And it's like, just because you don't show up doesn't mean they're like, oh, well, we can't do this today. They're like, all right, we're doing this without you. And that's never a good thing. So in short, she basically doesn't get any custody rights of the kids or, or, or the big settlement she wants, you know, because she's not there. And they're like, did did we send her the court order? And like, yeah, she knows. Like, where the hell is she? I don't know. Don't do it, guys. Show up to court. Listen to your lawyer. More advice from a non-lawyer. Okay. (laughs) Again, later, Betty has a job at a gallery now of some sort. I don't know what kind of gallery it is, but she has a nice big gallery. It was a what? Like an art gallery. It's just a, okay. It was just a big ornate gallery desk she was sitting at with this huge high back chair and I'm like this doesn't look like it looked too library to be a gallery to me but you know maybe that's just me but she has a job now she calls her friend Margaret and she's like hey Margaret are you ready and you know and, and Margaret's like what Betty why are you why, why are you talking to me you know she's like it's your birthday we're gonna go to lunch it's tradition and Margaret's like oh I, I can't go I'm sorry Betty I can't well come on Margaret and she's like listen Carl and I have been hanging out with Dan and Linda and we just can't really hang out with you two right now. Like, Oh, oh. you know, that chapped her ass so bad. Yes. Like, oh. <laughs> so that's when Betty calls the house. She's like, really? You have to take my house and all my money and my kids for me. And now I can't even have a social life. And she was like, you're taking everything from me. And she's, she's yelling this all over a voicemail. Meanwhile, her little son Grant is sitting there listening to it. And she's going off and she's calling Linda a bitch and all this other horrible stuff. And so Grant finally picks up the phone. She goes, he's like, mommy, please stop. Please stop, mom, please. And you just need to stop. It's not, I don't, we don't need to hear this anymore. And so you're not nice to anybody anymore. And I miss you being nice. And she's like, what, what are you talking about? You're a little traitor. That slut there. Is she trying to talk to you? She's like, oh, come on, honey. Don't be mad at me. I'm like, what? Whoa, whoa. What's, what's, find a lesson. Stick to it, Betty. My God. Like. She needed to go to therapy for sure. For sure. I'd be medicated yeah, but, heavily, but whatever. Yeah. My thing is for as long as they were, according to Nydia, it was five years. How old were these kids when this whole process started? <laughs> they didn't age throughout this entire movie. They did not age. So it was kind of like, it was very strange to be like knowing that it was so many years. Of yeah. The, they were young when it started because the oldest daughter, when she testified, um in court she was 20 so you know and that was for the murder not the divorce so you know they must it probably started when the littlest one was very little yeah Mm. wow Mm. that's really sad but yeah oh well so we cut to linda and dan are leaving for a formal event and this is where dan is back in that fucking magician's outfit again yeah what the (laughs) hell And you're like, oh, you're just now he's it's basically like it's showing that, okay, I've replaced her and now I can do the same things with this one that I did with the old one. That's what it kind of looks like, you know? Yeah. And at this ball, we learn that Dan is the new president of the L.A. Bar Association. 
I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty prestigious, I guess, you know? And they, you know, because they announce him, they're like, hey, why don't you take the first dance with Linda? And so they're dancing, and then he pulls out a ring and asks her to marry him. I was looking at that ring, hoping it wasn't that same ring. Yeah. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I was like, is that the same ring? Did he just hold on to the ring he was going to give her for Christmas and gave it to this other woman? And we didn't see it, but. I thought that would have been a nice little touch and be like, oh, you bastard. You know, <laughs> I'm imagining that's what he did. In my head, he did that. <laughs> I'm trying to make him a little more villainous too, you know, because it's not all her. People do mess with people's minds and they make themselves look great in comparison. And they know somebody else is unstable and you can't handle it. They know right. it, you know, so they mess with you. So, yeah, later on, Betty tells the kids, well, you know what? So your dad's going to get engaged. And you know what this means? Well, that means you're just you're losing your father. Sorry. You got a new he's got a new wife. He's probably going to have new kids. And but don't worry. Don't worry. You won't have a new mommy. I'll still be here. I'll be your mommy. I'll love you, especially since your father has stopped loving you. I mean, what the hell? Like, did they tell people like at all? Like, that's, that's what they were what they were doing, like. That she was lying to them and telling them all this crap. I don't know. She, I think Obviously. she was. She was just the worst. Like in that regard, like she did not care about those kids. This was a great way to manipulate them. This is a great way to like throw a wrench in her father. You know, in their father's life. Right. Like, he just sucks. And they show like the other side right after that, and Dan has a similar conversation, but he does not badmouth their mother. Right. He's like, you know, I hope the best for your mom, and I hope that, you know, she will, quote, come back to Earth, you know, and the kids are like, that's an understatement. <laughs> and they're like, mommy crazy. <laughs> mommy cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, you know. <laughs> and at that same time, we see that Betty goes to, like, I guess a pawn shop or something and buys a revolver. It kind of looks like a pawn shop. It could have been a gun shop, but it kind of yeah. looks like a pawn shop. And I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> oh, that's a bad sign always. Yeah, that's like a, oh, it's coming. And that's where Betty calls Dan and like says something about, I got a, did she say she had a Glock? Or what did she say she had? She said something. I, yeah, I don't she, know what she called it. She, she called it something weird, but she's just saying like, she's just talking trash about him and the office slut and all that stuff and. It's just nasty, and he's not listening. He just hears it on the voicemail. And uh, he finally answers when she calls back, and she's like, finally, you chicken, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to subtract money every time you call my house, every time you break the restraining order, every time you utter you know, profanities and stuff to me. It's going to be deducted, and I'm going to have this done. And you know he can do it, too. You know he has the connections. And he's like, so you're going to be – so right now you're down $1,500 for this month. You're out, 1500 but she was and, like like sixteen thousand dollars a month. That's what he was paying her. Yeah. Oh. I Sorry, think we lost um, you. No, it there was me. I one of the videos that I saw was um a they were discussing this matter, and uh, initially she was getting eight thousand dollars in you know child support and alimony or what I guess alimony whatever, and then he implemented this fine system, and she was down fifteen hundred dollars or whatever the case was. And then, so she took him to court for it. And that's when the judge was like, you can't do that. That's legal. And raised her alimony. And that's when she went from like 8000 or $9,000 a month to 16000 Because Damn. of that. Yeah. So that was actually like a punishment for him. For like. Well, good. At least she got something. You know, yeah, got a little bit. Still at the same time. Did she really need it? 
<laughs> I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money for like the '80s or whatever, and like that—that that just goes to show you like how fucking much money that they they had. You know what I mean? Like, well, they lived in making, California. He was making one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a month. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so basically, 100%. she was getting ten percent of his earnings. Yeah. Right. Oh. God damn. damn. Wow. God damn. 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 That's awesome, though. That's, That's a lot awesome. of money. I mean, for her. I mean, as far as getting the money and not having, you yeah. know. I need to find me a lawyer that I could divorce and. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. uh-huh. Find me a lawyer I can divorce. That's a great, <laughs> great business plan there, Dustin. Uh, well, he, he basically treats it like it's a swear jar in a way. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. Then we cut to Kate's high school graduation and Betty's happy. She's seeing her daughter. Oh, everything's great. She's getting up. She's going to walk. She's going to get her diploma. Betty runs up there with her camera. It's like click, 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 you know. And uh, then you see uh, Linda and Dan with their video camera and, and they're like, oh, we're so proud. I'm like, Linda, you don't even, be, you shouldn't even be there. No, <laughs> you just shouldn't right? be there. This is not about you. You just met this girl. Like, or if you're going to sit down, just sit down. Just, just sit. Yeah. Right. Betty's up there trying to take a picture, a close up. I get it. That's fine. You know, if they're letting her do it, let her do it. You know, but then go sit down, Betty. <laughs> like she's, she's up there. You got her. Set it down. Whatever. Also, Linda's been in these kids' lives for now five years. That supposedly. Yeah, right. but they don't tell us that. So right. us right. watching it, we're like, that. what so the hell? Like, human- so why are you being all like, mommy dear, mommy? Uh, well, not so mommy dearest because that's what's her name. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, so Betty looks over and sees Linda and Dan. She's like, she she kind of walks over to her and just starts taking Linda's picture right right up in her face, like following her around. Crazy. Like the woman walks off, and she just keeps following her, and taking her picture. It. I love. And it. Linda finally, <laughs> I love what Linda says to her. She was like, "Okay, I don't know why you keep doing this, but if you take me one more damn picture of me or put that camera on the face one more time, your photo, if you you photograph me again, you'll be photographing the inside of your own throat." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, was "Click." click. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Linda to snap on her so bad. I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> But he's like, all right, bitch. I'll call your bluff. <laughs> you know? Oh, love um, it. it was, this was a great made-for-TV movie. It was so good. Oh, it was. Oh. I, I wanted some throat, some fisticuffs right there in the middle of graduation. Oh, so good. She's like, you're embarrassing your child. And, all, and she was, though, you know, doing what yeah. she was doing. Because Kate, Kate was watching it. Mm-hmm. Right. So was everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, later on, Betty's telling Susan, her friend, all about this. And she's like, this is what happened. Can you believe it? Can you believe that? Blah, blah, blah. And Susan says, okay, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. You've gone too far. This has got to stop. That was Kate's big day and you ruined it for her because you had to act like this. Later on, Linda's wedding guest list goes missing. And she's like, I know who did it. I know who took that. Because she left it out for somebody to get, I guess, the coordinator or whatever to get the list, the, the wedding list. And it's just gone. And so she was, I know Betty took it. I just know it. And, you know, her husband's like, you know, Dan's like, we can't prove it. So we can't do anything about it. There's right. no proof. So in court, the judge is like, hey, Betty, give him back the list. And Betty's like, oh, I had the list and I did take it, but I didn't realize that's what I was taking. And then I just forgot and I forgot where I put it. Sorry. 
And the judge's like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. How about this? No alimony until you remember where you put it. Very crazy. And I'm like, damn. I'm, oh, I was like, you better watch your back, judge. She's going to come for you. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-mm. So she's all mad and whatnot. And then, and then there's the big twist that Linda decides to display some of her own crazy and break into (laughs) Betty's house all by herself. I'm like, Oh, Linda, what are you doing? Linda, you're killing me, Linda. To try to get her, her wedding list. But you know, in, in reality, when they interviewed Betty and all that stuff, she said that Linda played a big part in um, writing her letters and instigating and saying, Oh, it must kill you to see us happy. And you know what I mean? That she, she was a lot of, uh, you know, like teasing her yeah poking the the lion antagonizing her yeah yeah oh man okay that's interesting to know so yeah she goes in she breaks in to find the list she searches all the way like all the downstairs all through stuff that's all disjointed and she goes into betty's messy ass bedroom oh my god and there's like new clothes with the tag still on hanging around everywhere and then she walks over and she finds like to this vanity and she finds a christmas card and it says congratulations we look alike and she opens it up and it's a picture of betty and dan and linda and dan underneath it and it's like the same pose it's like ooh, that's creepy and she finds all these like pictures of linda and articles about their wedding announcement and all these things and she's like uh then the kicker is she picks up a manuscript that betty is writing and it's called what's a nice girl to do yeah. <laughs> a story of white collar domestic violence in America by Betty Broderick. <laughs> oh, so that's why I was saying that's going to come up later. What's yeah. a real nice girl to do? Linda takes it over to Dan. She's like, Dan, we got to do something. Like, she's clearly planning on killing you. And she's written this whole manifesto. You know, basically, it's an art quote autobiography. And he's like, nope, take it back. Can't do anything with this. Can't do it. You can't use this autobiography as evidence against her because you basically stole it. You shouldn't have been in there unless you were invited in that house. That would have been different if you f- happened to see something, but you broke in, you know? And right. so she's like, Oh really? I'm like, girl, why are you even bringing this up? You know, the law, you've worked there long enough to know you can't do this, but you should by this point know that you can't just break right. into somebody's house and take something. Right. Yeah. And I think he mentions it to her. He says, you've been yeah. here long enough to know that. Yeah. Right. So later, Betty starts calling all their old friends from the wedding list and bitches them all out for planning to attend the wedding. Yeah. She's like, I'm taking it personally. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I'm still going to be friends with Dan over you. Thanks. You didn't convince me otherwise. Thanks. This just solidifies why I'm not friends with you. Yeah. So at the wedding, there seems to be ample security around. I was noticing that right off the bat. I was like, there's a lot of guys standing around with like the little ear thingies in. and Yeah. Cross armed and whatnot. Yeah, that was true. And the bulletproof vest thing, that was true. All yeah. of that was true. Oh, that that his brother brought him the bulletproof vest to wear? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, no, it's I'm not going to wear that. That's She's not going to try to attack me. Plus, it's too bulky. It makes me look fat. Like, <laughs> so the wedding starts. And at the same time, Betty is at home with Susan, who's, quote unquote, guarding her. And the wedding goes around smoothly. Everything's fine. I mean... And that's good, I guess. You know, they do their whole spiel and whatnot and their wedding dance and la di la di da And Betty's all feeling depressed at the same time. So we go to a commercial break. And then when we come back, 
we see another one of Tommy's games, one of his soccer games. We're back to soccer time, I guess. See, this is making it feel like it's just been a year or two. Right. That's it. Yeah. Right. I mean, and so Linda is basically in Betty's role now, like handing out the treats to the kids and uh, yelling like, hey, go Tommy, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, everybody's having fun. And Dan looks up and he sees Betty is over on the other side of the field. And she looks really sad and depressed and just kind of, you know, sauntering around all sullen. And he feels bad. You can see that he feels bad for her. So now Dan wants to give Betty some visitation rights. He's like, all right, I'm going to write some visitation rights, you know, and, you know, I want her to feel better. Maybe if she gets to see the kids more, she'll lay off all this crazy crap and, you know, chill out. And he, you know, the kids want her to feel better too. Right. And so he tells Linda that, you know, don't worry though, there's going to be strict rules. She has to follow guidelines. She can't do certain things. And if she does well, then, you know, this is a trial basis. So Betty gets this notification in the letter and then she's like, she is insulted. She is telling Susan. She was like, ah, I can't believe it. And then if I don't do something right, he can just take them away from me again. I hope he gets terminally ill. And Susan's like, oh my God, what the hell, Betty? And I'm like, have you met Betty? Have you been around her longer? <laughs> I wish you shocked by that. <laughs> I've spent an hour and a half with her so far and it ain't, it ain't great. Right. All right. So. But Susan says, you know, Betty, I know how you're feeling. I know you're upset. I've been through the divorce thing too and all this crap with settlements and whatnot. But you've got to move on. Like, you've got to get over all this because this is not doing you any good. You're smart. You're funny as hell. You're great. You got all this stuff going for you. And she's like talking up. She goes, but you just got to let go of this Dan thing. So, you know, I just want you to get better. And Betty's like, oh, he got to you too. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> like, why? Why are you doing this? She's a so she's nobody, like, huh? huh? Maybe. <laughs> I said she's officially nuts at that point. You know, yeah. Um, that's the crossing that, point. Because I was gonna say, because nobody can have a differing opinion from her, because automatically they're siding with him, even though they're trying to help her, legitimately yeah. help her. Everybody's against Betty. No one wants anything for Betty, right? Well. So she's like, Susan, you're either with me, you ever take back what you just said, or I'm, you leave me and you, I'm kicking you out of my life forever. So Susan's like, all right, peace, bitch. <laughs> I'm done. I've tried. It ain't happening. I'm like, you had the one good friend who was sticking by you through all of your crazy. And that was very evident. And you just kicked her out of your life. Right. All because she told you, dude, you need to chill and let this go. And you wouldn't do it. Oh, Betty. Stupid, stupid Betty. <laughs> so there's this like big sequence of like Betty going through files and crossing things out. And, and we see Dan and Linda are out with dinner and friends. And, and then, you know, we see that there's this whole back and forth of the two households, like sad Betty reading papers. And, and then she's like caring for her son who's sleeping in her bed because he doesn't feel well. And then we see Dan and Linda having a quiet evening at home and they're watching TV and they both put on the same movie because you hear the same movie on both sides at both their houses, the same black and white movie. Yeah, I think it was like yeah. they were trying to make it seem like it was like uh, New Year's Eve or something. They were listening to uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Was that what this is Wonderful Life? I didn't notice. I couldn't tell. Yeah. I know I saw um, um, what's his face. Who's in that? Oh, my God. I usually know his name and it's just popped right out of my head. Clark Gable. It's a Wonderful Life. No, 
He's oh. That's the only old timey star you know. Yeah. You know? Yes. Jimmy Stewart. There we go. There Jimmy go. Stewart. Yeah. Ah, right, right, right. uh, uh, well, you know, he talks like that all the time. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, so he, you're watching that. That's all you hear is ha 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 on the TV. And so there's just kind of doing this juxtaposition of what's going on in both their lives at that moment, I guess. They're just kind of trying to show you this slow buildup. Right. And they all go to sleep or whatever. And that night, Betty just wakes up suddenly. <gasps> And then she looks around and then she kisses her son who's in bed with her next to her. And then she goes over to her drawer and pulls it open and grabs the revolver, the gun out. And she gets in the car and she drives over to Dan's house. She walks up the front steps and goes inside the house. And she's just walking around very calmly. Everything's really quiet. She goes upstairs very slowly right up to the bedroom. She enters the bedroom and walks up next to the bed and sees them sleeping. He's, she's just standing there watching them. And then Linda just opens her eyes for a brief second and looks at Betty and Betty's like, bam, she shoots her. And then Dan jumps up and tries to, I guess, do something and tries to leave. And she shoots him in the back several times and shoots Linda several times. And the only thing that happens, she doesn't completely kill Dan right off the bat because he's trying to reach for the phone and she yanks the phone away from him, yanks it out of the wall and, you know, throws it away from him. So she, he's just, you know, you're not going to get help here. And she just leaves. She walks out, just leaves him to die. And then she calls someone. She's at the shore. She looks like she's under a dock and she calls him. She goes, I did it. I finally shot the son of a bitch. She, she was talking to her daughter. Yeah. The second, okay. the second youngest or the second oldest. Did daughter. they show that? No, I didn't see. No, I, okay. I learned that in a documentary thing. Okay, that was interesting. I'm like, damn, you just called and bragged to your daughter. You shot her father. That's screwed up. Yeah, that's really crazy. It's they, really. They, they go over it in part two, I think. Okay, okay, that makes yeah. sense. So later on in jail, this whole time, this narration has been her from jail, like you said, and she's like, "I have no regrets. I, I, I have regrets, but no remorse." And she claims to been to have been one of the victims that Dan and Linda were the bad guys and she and the kids were the victims. I'm like, really? You're going to count yourself alongside your kids and all this? Really? Yeah. No, I don't think so. So she says she's happy to be locked up where no one can get to her. I'm like, who's the hell going to get to you? Why was, <laughs> no one was coming for you before. They left your ass alone. And so then it goes to a final ending thing where, you know, they show that little thing, like that, what happened after this part, you know, which is why I thought made me think that they had added on this whole thing. Um, the whole part two thing, like way later, because it seems like they weren't prepared to do a part two and then they did a part two. Yeah. But then I thought maybe it was like a, a connection, but so it says Elizabeth Broderick was tried for the Danners, the Danners, <laughs> the murders of Dan Broderick and Linda Colkina Broderick. The first trial ended in a hung jury. In the retrial, Elizabeth Broderick was convicted of two counts of second-degree murder. She received the maximum sentence of 32 years in life to life in prison and will be eligible for parole in the year 2010. And I'm like, oh, and that's yeah. where we end part one. That's I want to know, did her ex get out? <laughs> did she get out? Do you know? No, she, she was denied parole twice. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go for it. She was denied parole in 2010 and then again in 2017. And um, her children are split half and half whether they think she should get out and she shouldn't. Uh, 
though she's like requested the kids to write parole letters for her two of them will two of them won't uh the youngest one their kids their names were changed in the movie the youngest the youngest one said that uh the, his mom's not a threat to anybody. The only people she was a threat to are already dead. But she has uh, no... She'll find somebody new to be a threat to. Right. She has no remorse. That's why she's not out. Like, she's, like, still... The the, the older son is, like, um, I don't think she should get out because she's still making excuses for why she did what she did. Still, today. She's up for uh, parole again in uh, 2032, I think. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's going to happen for her, but oh, well, we can only hope that somebody that nutty will finally come to terms with what they've done. She's in her 70s. So, yeah, she's 75. So I got to. So I'm going to assume that the hung jury was uh, hung because they were trying to figure out whether she was. Did she plead not guilty to due to mental defect or anything like My that? My understanding is she became she uh, was convicted on second degree murder. So I think the hung jury. I don't know this for my understanding is that it was uh, they couldn't verify whether it was first or second degree murder. So it was a hung jury for that. That's what I think for first degree hmm. murder. Yeah, but it was. I mean, in my opinion, it seemed pretty fucking premeditated. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you went and bought the gun, and you've been talking about gun, it for a long time. You drove over there, you killed... She was saying it was in self-defense. In their right. house. In, in their the house while they were sleeping. They slept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. But I that think- apparently she was saying that Linda attacked her. Um, but I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah, but I don't. I don't, know, I don't know that to be true. I I think that Linda's she, brown ass eyebrows attacked her. That's for sure. She's a blonde hair and these brown eyebrows. It's like, damn. <laughs> they really popped out for Frank. Like, say, woo, see your did eyes. They say that at all, Nid? What? Uh, why they was a hung jury the first time? Um, there was a lot. She she had created like this publicity thing around her. Um, and a lot of the jurors sympathized with her, and they said that they basically pushed her to do this and it was like a kind of like a crime of passion type of thing where she just felt bullied to the point where she couldn't just take it anymore and uh the jurors didn't want to the people that believed in her they did not want to um they didn't want to uh admit that she was you know that she was guilty and so they they wouldn't they they just wouldn't they were like she she did the right thing you know <laughs> very crazy Whoa. Very, yeah, devious jury people. My God. Some people, I'm not, I'm not saying find Jesus, but maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe, or, or some other deity that does good things. You know, something. Find, find something better with your life. But, wow. So, yeah, that was A Woman Scorned, The Betty Broderick Story, Part 1. How do you think Meredith Baxter did? Oh, she was such a Karen. I loved it. I thought the yeah. casting was phenomenal, honestly. Yeah. I think they yeah. did a good job. Even the kids, like when you look at when you see pictures of what the kids looked like in real life, like the kids were pretty close. Certainly, the oldest daughter was pretty pretty close. Okay, cool. I thought awesome. Meredith, Meredith Baxter killed it. I the the dad who I forget what what's his, the actor's name. It's um Stephen. Oh my god, what I just forgot his name. Um, yeah, Stephen Collins. Yeah. He's such a creep in real life, but he, I thought the movie was, you know, he did really good in the movie. Yeah. But you know what? Now knowing it, it kind of helps. <laughs> now knowing what kind of person he is in real life, it's like, well, maybe, you right. know, you kind of, it kind of helps you not be completely on his side at the same yeah. time, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So, 
Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for, you know, watching this with me and talking about it with me. Maybe we'll come back and do part two later on. That'd be kind of fun. I'm watching um, it immediately right now. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. It's called rewatch recap. So you can always rewatch it so we can Absolutely. recap it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I love um, <laughs> so, but thank you guys. So Cindy, Nydia and Dana, um, what's your social info? We can be found on every social as Crime Diner Pod. Crime Diner Pod. Okay, so look for them there on any pretty much every platform you can think of. They're TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. The ones that everybody, the the mainstream yeah. ones. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're out there. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap. Or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. Thank you guys again so much for coming on and for watching this with me, and uh, I can't wait to do more. So next week, make sure you tune in for another TV movie right here on the Rewatch Recap. Bye. 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 <laughs>